Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We got an interesting topic for you today. And by the way, this is our longest running Game Changers radio series, 10 seasons. A shout out to Chris Grundy at SAP, to Birgit Starmans at SAP, and Pras Chatterjee at SAP, the long running, very loyal and faithful sponsors of this series. And no, we're not talking about how to balance your checkbook or where the best gas prices are in a gas station near you. We're talking about CFO and the Department of Finance. So let's talk about our topic today. This is a good one. It will be of importance to everybody in our listening audience around the world. So let me give you a little history before I have my three guests introduce themselves. Here's buzz number one, and it's actually from a wikipedia.org article on the history of accounting. Say what? Listen up. The early development of accounting was closely related to developments in writing, counting, and money. Accounting records dating back more than 7,000 years have been found in Mesopotamia, and documents from ancient Mesopotamia show lists of expenditures and goods received and traded. It was inseparable from the controlling of goods, stocks, oh, they had stocks, and transactions in the temple economy of Mesopotamia. So there's a little history. Now here's buzz number two. This is from a CPA named Perry D. Wiggins. I don't know who he is, but he's quoted online. He says, when I talk to other CFOs about process improvement, they often tell me their top priority is closing the books faster. For a lot of organizations, most barriers on the road to a faster monthly close come down to data quality. Uh-oh, poor quality data can't be trusted, and it takes a lot of labor to scrub bad data. Okay, that's reality check number one, but buzz number two, and here's the last buzz. Of the 2,300 organizations that answered a survey, a general accounting open standards benchmarking survey by APQC, the bottom 25% said they need 10 or more calendar days to perform the monthly close process. The top 25% can wrap it up in 4.8 days. I want to know who the person is who counted the 0.8 days because I don't think we have an eight-hour day anymore or a 10-hour day or a five. I'm not sure what that 0.8 was. And that was half the time of the companies in the bottom 25. In the median of that survey, organizations need 6.4 calendar days to close out a month's books. And that's from CFO.com financial reporting article, so we know it's real. So yes, since the 13th century, accounts have been closing the books to give company owners a status of their business performance. And since this happens at all companies at every period end, you'd think by now everybody has perfected it, everybody has optimized it, and you all want to be in that 4.8 day above the top 25% level. But in fact, period end closing has a reputation of being a burden. Ugh, headaches, late nights, late afternoons, and overtime, which you don't want. So I have three experts with me today. I want you all to wave because we are recording the video, even though we're not. There we go. Mark Six. Hello, Mark Six at Truqua. Truqua has been uh, sending us people for these shows for years and years and years, and now Truqua is an IBM company. Mark Six. Anybody wants to know how to spell his name, it's M-A-R-C-S-I-X. There we go. Welcome, Mark. Katerina Reichert. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right after many tries. Katerina has been with us several times on the show. 
She is at SAPSE in Solution Management. Katerina, we're so happy to have you here. And thanks for helping me prepare that opening in the abstract. And we have David Dixon. David, you're back. You've been on many, many times over the years, also with Truqua, now an IBM company. We're going to ask them to share their insights about closing acceleration and business trends affecting finance teams each and every period end. And the title of this episode is Fast, Faster, Fastest. What's next for the close? Or we might subtitle that to say, when are you closing already? So there we go. So thank you, everybody, for listening to a very long opening, but I thought it'd be fun to have some history there. Let's go around the table. Mark Six, we're so happy to meet you. I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Mark, would you please introduce yourself? Take about three minutes. Tell everybody what you do. What's your role at Truqua? And what's your passion for our topic today? Mark, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie, and uh, thank you, Katerina and David, for having me. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Truco is so close with Game Changers. I feel like I've I've made it now that I'm I've, I've finally gotten my my spot on this show. So, uh, thanks again for having me. Um, but yes, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, my name is Mark Six. So I I work uh, closely with David in our SAP practice with an IBM. Um, particularly Truqua. So I help with finance transformations, uh, as for HANA initiatives, business process optimizations, really trying to innovate and, and, and adapt the modern core solution for the finance functions. Um, I also had the opportunity to uh, co-author the SAP Central Finance Press book. Um, and so, you know, very familiar with the, the closed process and, and a lot of the challenges that the CFOs are facing in this area. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I couldn't agree more with the, uh, the, the accountant who said it all comes down to data and process. And I'm sure we'll get a lot more into that here uh, here soon. So um, yeah, happy to be here and uh, thanks again. Well, I am so flattered that you said you've made it. <laughs> David, I don't remember how many times you've been on, but I know you've had some other colleagues from Truqua over the years. It's like, well, we're doing a show on certain parts of the finance topic. We have to ask David Dixon to come and here's Mark. So Mark, we are pleased to have you as a member of the Game Changers family. How's that? Thank you very much. Katerina, I'm putting you up next on Speaker View. Katerina, I'm guessing conservatively for you and David together, I'm thinking there are about 9.3 people in the world who don't remember both of you. So why don't you talk to the nine people and David, you can talk to the 0.3. Katerina, refresh us. What have you been up to? Why are you here? What's your excitement about the topic of faster, fastest, fastest closings? Katerina, welcome yes. back. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks uh, for having me and congratulations for 10 years of Game Changers on this topic. That's that's really amazing. Speaks to the, the quality of this program. Thank um, you. I'm Katarina Reichert. I lead the solution management organization uh, for SAP SE in the area of accounting and central finance. And finance close is a topic that I'm definitely passionate about. And why? Because the financial close really affects people, right? It affects them each reporting period. Um, it's people staying late to, to check and double check numbers, people who would rather be at their kids or grandkids soccer games. Um, and at the end of the day, um, I'm also relying on my investment portfolio um, for my retirement later. And so I need the information that comes out of these financial reporting processes to be a high quality of information that gives, you know, the mutual fund managers the information they need about the health of the of the companies. So both on the processing side and on quality results side, um, the financial close is really important to how businesses are run today. So I'm really excited to be here today. Katerina, you just humanized the whole topic when you retire. 
You need, and by the way, I never got the memo that it was time to retire at the age of the speed limit. I'm not telling you which speed limit and which state, <laughs> but I come from New York, and you can check the Long Island Expressway for the record of of how how fast that is and what age that is. Anyway, the point is, we don't think of that in terms, and we think of, oh, I work for a company, I'm in the finance department, we got to close, and damn, are we going to be stuck in the basement for 15 days instead of going to those soccer games, which are now opening up? We are at, hopefully at the end of that tunnel where the light is coming in at the end of the the COVID era. It's never going to be exactly the same but as before, but we are hoping. So your points are so well taken, but you personalized it. You humanized it because you're saying it matters to everyday people that companies know where the finances are, when the closings are, and what, what the books say at a moment in time. Thank you, David Dixon. He's sitting there waiting to pounce. I can see, David, you're so happy to be back. And thank you very much for joining us. David, Katerina, reintroduce yourself to the nine people you get to talk to the point three. So David, refresh. David, move back just a little bit. We're just barely seeing you. There you go. There you go. Tell us, remind us, refresh us. How have you been? What is it like for True Quite a Now be an IBM company? And what have you been up to? David, welcome back. David, you need to unmute. There we go. No, it's been great. And uh, you know, just to relate to what Catherine, uh, Katerina was saying around, this was, uh, I've been doing this line of work since uh, for half my life. So, so since I came out of school. So I think this will be my first and last job uh, working in the, in the field of, uh, of um, SAP financials and, and, and clothes. And I remember that, that first project that I had where I was up, I think it was close to 72 hours at a close, at a go live, you know, closing the books on a financial consolidation uh, project that I was on. And so, uh, yeah, in terms of, um, you know, I've always had sympathy for, for uh, the people that I work with that have to go through a close and the weekends and the nights and the, you know, I mean, the potential burnout, you know, of, of, of that. And there's got to be, uh, yeah, there's, and it's, we're still at it, you know, here, I, you know, 25, 26 years later, uh, we're still, you know, at, at it uh, with, with the close. Um, but so, you know, started as a, at SAP as a consultant in this area, uh, went through several companies, um, started my own 10 years ago as, as the, uh, one of the co-founders of Truqua and uh, now part of a much bigger uh, team uh, at IBM. And so it's, it's, it's almost a year now. So it's been going great. Very glad to hear that. We're happy to have you back. Thank you very much all. This is the part of the show where we have asked you for a, a movie or a TV fictional character quote or a song lyric that has absolutely zero. That's a number that finance people can understand. Zero to do with our topic, which is the close. And you're going to relate the quote you selected to our topic in your own creative way. Mark, you're up first. And Mark has sent us a quote from Frankenstein. This is quote from played originally by Colin Clark. Live. The movie was 1931, but it's iconic, so we don't care how old the movie is, Mark. It's the American called the pre-code sci-fi horror film. So I guess they didn't rate them ABC, general audiences, RXS, whatever they rate them now. Uh, Frankenstein stars Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein, an obsessed scientist who digs up corpses with his assistant in order to assemble a living being from body parts. The resulting creature, often known as Frankenstein's, I'm trying to pronounce it the way they do the monster, is played by Boris Karloff. And here's the quote. It's alive. It's alive. Mark, when I saw this, I just, 
I cracked up. So what are we talking about in terms of the clothes? Mark, brilliant selection. Talk to me now. Go well, ahead. Molly, I, I selected that quote just so I could hear you say that famous line. That, that's really what it was. Um, but no, I, I you know, it, it's also Halloween time, you know, the October series, right? So uh, I think it I think it was a good timing. Um, but yeah, that, that quote is so funny. And, and, and of course, Frankenstein's monster. I think some CFOs can probably relate to that situation, right? Um, and, and really, a lot of the folks we're talking to, they're, they're working on, you know, aging and, and, and you know, uh, you know, just basically aging systems, you know, for ERP systems, and, and they're plugging in modern AI solutions and cloud processing, and they're just making all sorts of things work with all sorts of different pieces and, and, and eras of technology. So uh, I definitely know a few folks that can relate to Frankenstein's monster as it relates to some of the systems and things that they've got running in their organization. So, um, yeah, I had to, I, again, in the spirit of the, uh, of the holiday, had to, had to start, start with that one. <laughs> that That is actually a brilliant quote. I could see some of the accountants stuck in the basement. We used to talk about the green, right? The bankers, uh, the lamp and the eye shade. And I could see them getting a call from their relatives saying, you're coming home. And they say, don't worry. It's alive. It's alive. I'm coming home eventually this year. We're almost done. There we go. Katarina has sent us a quote with a word we don't usually use on this show, Katarina. <laughs> the quote is from astronaut Mark Watney, played by Matt Damon. The movie is The Martian. It's a 2015 sci-fi film that actually received a Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. I guess they weren't sure. And seven, nomina- seven nominations at the 88th Academy Award. And let's see what else I wanted to say. It depicts an astronaut. This is Matt Damon's character. Lone struggle to survive on Mars after being left behind. And the efforts of NASA to rescue him and bring him home. It has a stellar cast. Jeff Daniels, Kristen Wiig, Jessica Castain, and people whose names I can't remember and I don't even, can't even pronounce. So here is the quote. I'm just going to say, Katerina, should I say the word? Sure, sure. Okay, all right. So in the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. I sort of said it. Katerina, talk to me. How'd you pick this quote? Fascinating. Go ahead. So um, I love science. And I love that in this quote that science is a verb. Um, My background is really in quantitative analysis. I grew up in a town where everybody's parents worked for NASA. I love the space industry. And while the financial close isn't exactly life or death like it is in, you know, Matt Damon's situation in The Martian, I think if we apply science scientific approaches, structured approaches, quantitative analysis, we can make people's lives a little bit better also in the area of the period end close, right? And at the end of the day, that could mean less stress, get people out of the office on time. So um, sorry to put you on the spot (laughs) by having a a slightly uh, (laughs) PG-13 rated quote, Um, but I was just really attracted to the idea of science as a verb and how that can totally be applicable here for the close. Very, very interesting. And science as a verb is a great, an interesting idea. I do some radio shows of with women in STEM, and the question of women in STEM, can you be creative and scientific at the same time? And I'm going to have to start using the science word 
as a verb. I like that a lot. Thank you, Katerina. And Erin is going to remove the little blip where I said the wrong name because I was so excited. David Dixon has found a quote with his name in it. David, do you know how unusual this is? And this is another iconic, it's from HAL 9000, voiced by Douglas Rain. The movie, of course, is 2001 A Space Odyssey, all the way back in time, 1968 epic science fiction film produced and directed by the one, the only Stanley Kubrick. And And the quote, I'm just going to say it without giving you a lot of background. It's just, what do you think you're doing, Dave? Okay, David Dixon, how'd you find this one? Well, I mean, still like Katarina, I loved, you know, science and particularly science fiction growing up and uh, loved uh, writing short stories and all of this. And so when this movie came out and I watched it, it, I just kept me on edge. Definitely uh, uh, had me thinking uh, along the lines of like other movies like Terminator and all of this where, hey, you know, when, when does technology get out of control? And when does, uh, uh, you know, when to trust it and, 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 and when not to. And this is a, a quote in a scene, a climactic, you know, ending where basically, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a horror story. And, uh, you know, Dave, uh, the main protagonist has to shut down, you know, how the machine uh, and, and, uh, with Hal's very cool, kind of collective voice, like, what are you doing? He's, you know, systematically, you know, basically, you know, uh, uh, you know, killing the machine, right. After uh, a series of, of, um, uh, misfortune. And, and so I like the quote in particular for today, just because I, I think there's a healthy distrust, uh, that we inherently have with, you know, machines and, and you know, especially machine intelligence and working with, uh, you know, more and more, we're asking the machine to do more and more to help us, especially around the close as well, to automate and speed things up. And, and so there's going to be this help, healthy dialogue of, of what do we give the machine or, or machine intelligence to do versus human intelligence and, and you know, how do we, um, you know, how's that all going to play out? But uh, so anyway, that, that's, that's why I picked that quote. Was, Thank uh, you very much. Just coincidental that he was saying your name. I know I've got yeah, it. And yeah, by the way, yeah. the name Hal comes from heuristically programmed algorithmic computer. And if you take the H from heuristically and the AL from algorithmic, you get H-A-L. And I don't know if anybody here, I, and I'm not going to get political, but there was a very funny opening segment on Saturday Night Live this past, well, what today is October 12th, 2021. So whatever this past Saturday was, I guess it was the 9th. And uh, one of the, somebody in the opening sketch was saying, "What's an algorithm?" And a person who was testifying before Congress said, "Seriously, you want to know?" And he said, "Well, how big is it? What what is it? Where is it? Where do I find it?" And he said, "I'm going to ask you how big is it. Stop me when I'm there." And he's going, "Is it this big?" Is it this big? And the person who's responding from the, the, the witness, if you will, the testifier, finally can't stand anymore. And she says, stop there. And he says, oh, that's pretty big. Is that how big an algorithm is? And it was making fun of the whole concept of who even knows what an algorithm is. Where do you find them? Is it, is it alive? Mark six, is it alive? Is it alive? Is it something you can put in your pocket? Very interesting question. And that leads me, thank you all to the really, really fun quotes. That leads me to the next part of the show, which is where my panelists have each very graciously sent four statements for discussion. I'm going to pick at least one from each of you and ask you to unpack it. I've selected statement number one from Mark six. Mark, take about three minutes. There's a lot to unpack in this one. Just take it apart and tell us what it means. I'm going to read it in a second. And then we're going to ask Katerina 
to agree or disagree. Katerina, Mark is a very nice person. You can tell he has a really good sense of humor. It's okay to disagree with him. And then David Dixon, you get to agree or disagree with either or both of them. If we have time, Mark, I'll have you talk back to them or give feedback back to them on their comments. And I'll pick one from Katerina. I will put it in the chat for you. We'll pick one after that from David. So here's the statement from Mark Six. CFOs today are finding themselves in a very interesting place of navigating aging ERPs alongside robotic processing, AI, and cloud options. They're being asked to do more with less and faster. Mark, I'm going to stop there. There was more to read, but I don't want to read it. I want you to talk about it. Mark Six, talk to me. Yeah, no, thanks, Bonnie. And, and yeah, it goes back a little bit to that quote I mentioned. But I think that, you know, if we if we polled, you know, 10 folks, I think nine out of 10 would agree that uh, they're being asked to do more with less be from COVID or just from technology innovations in general. Um, and, you know, CFOs are really finding themselves in a position where they have to expand their skill set and they've got to, you know, really evolve along with that technology. Um, some of them are even, you know, absorbing the ERP space and, and, and really, you know, overseeing the management of, of more and more of the business so that they can make themselves that, uh, you know, the strategic partner that the other C-suite needs. Um, and so, yeah, those that are, that are, you know, being successful and those that are really, you know, driving, you know, the adoption in their company, um, you know, are, are just those that, that reinvest in, in both the, their people and their process, uh, as well as that technology. Um, and so, you know, historically, it's been a really big roadmap item, you know, and I, I know, you know, maybe Katerina and David will agree, but, you know, in the last like 10 or 15 years, we, we've, we've constantly been talking about the close and optimizing and taking days out of the close cycle. Um, and, you know, we still, you know, every day working with clients that are, you know, operating in Excel or, you know, sending, you know, handshakes via email and things like that. Um, when at the same time, there are organizations that are, you know, utilizing, you know, uh, you know, dashboards and, and intelligent workflows and, and AI and RPA to, to automate a lot of that process. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting space, uh, you know, and, and, and it's a wide gamut that the CFOs are finding themselves in, um, as well as the people too. So uh, Katarina made a really great point in that it does affect the people and that's that's really you know those that are still there from you know doing more with less um you know are are you know ultimately yeah you're you're, you're seeing a lot of organizations that are working until midnight or 2 a.m and things like that and and they're really brute forcing a lot of the process uh and a great quote from uh you know a friend of mine uh, at one of the clients i was working with he's like look we've got really really smart mba you know analytical minds just focused on transactional processing and it's like you know we've got to unlock the the power of our people and, and put them in the right space um because if not they're you know they're, they're going to you know find an organization that that you know maybe suits their talents a bit more or, or you know gratifies them a little bit more in terms of what they want to do um, so yeah a lot to unpack as you mentioned but um, certainly a very interesting time for CFOs and uh, you know what I recommend to every you know CFO I talk to is really investing in the people and, and, and what makes the people successful is the process and the data that they that they have to interact with every day so wow great points thank you Mark let's go around the table Katarina agree or disagree and it's okay to disagree he's really nice he told me it's okay Anything you want to add and take your three minutes of thought leadership, Katarina, not just a yes or no. Talk to us. What do you see? So absolutely agree. Um, a couple trends that I'm seeing that, that push me in that direction. Um, I see in a lot of companies that I work with older finance teams that are still focused on the close. And as those people go into retirement, they tend not to be replaced. So CFOs do have to figure out how to do more with fewer people. On the other hand, um, when I speak to organizations that are organized in global business operations, sort of shared service centers, 
um, they've had far less turnover in the past 24 months than they would see on average. That's because during the COVID phase, people weren't necessarily jumping from company to company. So uh, for companies that have global business services, while everybody was sent to their home office, there actually has been a little bit more stability in the people that make up their finance teams that are running the close. So that's been um, sort of balancing out that retirement wave. And I think there, um, I think your points to, to having finance teams be able to use their skilled uh, resources in ways that really add value and not just be focused on topics like data cleansing or, or matching things in rainbow colored spreadsheets, right? That's not what these people went to get their MBAs for. Um, there, I really think we can throw science at the problem and do things like validate data early in the process, right? We can let the machine take care of some of those less exciting tasks and really offer interesting and challenging jobs to finance teams. And I think that's going to help with, with retention and um, just help finance teams in general um, deal with um, their, own, um, their own goals for, for personal growth. And again, it's for me, it's always about people, right? And making sure that, that people are, are doing their jobs as effectively as possible and are happy while doing it. Yeah, there's something called employee centricity, I think. It's a new concept of making people happy to be in their jobs. Who knew back in the day when I was starting out in marketing for big financial financial organizations, banks in New York, nobody cared how we felt about our jobs. <laughs> they really didn't. They just beat the you-know-what out of us. Katerina, not to use the word from your quote, they just they just used us and, and spit us out basically. And nobody cared today. The trend is customer centricity, employee centricity, and we want people to be happier. And I think that's a good thing. David Dixon, chime in, please. What do you think about the statements from your colleague, Mark Six and or Katerina? Go ahead, David. Yeah, after hearing them talk, I think it's a spectrum um, where uh, you had provided earlier in, in the show, APQC statistics, where there are you know, best-in-class performers and others that lag. And, and I think that you'll find that the ones that are, uh, you know, having the faster close out there are the ones that did centralize and, and did standardize and did bring in shared services or, or business process outsourcing to, to you know, be efficient uh, with their close. And then others uh, that really struggle with the Frankenstein monster of a landscape where they maybe didn't uh, bring things together and, and are growing through mergers and acquisitions and spinoffs. And so uh, I do think there's a general trend that the business environment that we live in is, is getting more and more volatile. And there's all kinds of things, the pandemic, you know, climate change, all kinds of disruptions, you know, to business. And, uh, and even how people organize in the shared services, even if you have a shared services, where do you put that shared services or where in the world do you pick? Where is the optimal place where there's uh, a skill labor uh, and, you know, for a lower uh, cost and, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that can perform various different functions and, and all that reorganization and moving things around and all that, I think, creates also another, you know, so it's not just aging systems and it's not just, you know, a, a, a patchwork uh, landscape and infrastructure. I think it's just people changing jobs, moving jobs and all of this. So I think that's, that's probably where uh, the close hasn't, it keeps slipping away from us. So, you know, we've been talking about faster close, faster close, and I'm surprised to look at these statistics because it doesn't, you know, it seems like in many cases, some of our customers is just getting longer and longer. And those, and the, the people that I work with and I've talked with, yeah, a lot of times I'm like, oh, did you just do an acquisition or did you just reorg or did you just, and, and a lot of times the answer is, you know, yes, around those. Um, 
Thank you very much. Very good. Mark Six, now you know how it works. A great conversation started like you sent. Spawns a good conversation. Thank you very much. Mark, anything you want to say back to Katarina or David? No, no. I think that, you know, I'm glad you guys agree. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm having the right conversations with my clients. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. I think that, you know, Dave, you, you hit it right. I mean, it's it's the slipping away, right? It's it's the it's the lack of management. It's it's the minutes that that you that you drop, um, you know, what was it? Four point eight and things like that. Right. It's the point eight uh, that you that you got to get it rid of. Um, and, and yeah, it's 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 funny how the organization, uh, you know, and the, and the, the tools that they're using, um, you know, can allow for that slippage and, and it's really like a sports team almost right like you you want to tighten it up and really execute really well there you go execute really well and that covers all the points that we're talking about today if you're just tuning in this is financial excellence with game changers our longest running series under the game changers banner presented by sap and we're talking about the close fast faster fastest What's next? How fast can you do it and still have it right? We're up to statements from Katarina Record, and I'm up to statement number three I'm going to use for Katarina. I think this is interesting, so let me read it, and then I'll ask you to unpack it, and we'll see what David and Mark have to say. So Katarina says, companies should be bolder in trusting the results of artificial intelligence in their closing processes. Sometimes accountants are worried that the black box machine that matches two transactions will be incorrect, but usually the accountant who did a manual match didn't provide extensive documentation explaining why the match was correct either. So are we pitting people against machine? Katerina, talk to us, relieve our worries. Go ahead, who gets the job after all? Speak. Yeah. Well, Bonnie, I definitely wanted to to make a bold statement here, right? Um, and there are certainly shades that that my friends here on the podcast can can unpack. Um, but it's in fact often the case that we ask accountants um, to do manual tasks, and they don't have a lot of time for to explain to add documentation for why exactly these two transactions matched. And if we let the machine do that based on, you know, hundreds and thousands of data points and the machine says, okay, based on the history that you guys have matched in the past, we think these two transactions are matching now and therefore we feel confident that that, that can be cleared. Um, I think we have to, to trust the machine and there are certain baby steps that we can take in that direction. For example, we could let the machine first make proposals to us for a period or two as a way for the accountants to get a little more comfortable. But, you know, this is still taking up the accountant's time then. It takes just as much time to, to double check against what a machine did than to do it yourself. So really this amount of double work could be minimized. Um, we should really start to trust the science. And it's not always necessarily a black box transaction execution that I'm talking about here, um, but we could do other things and let the system assist the user. For example, um, if you're preparing to do a close, maybe the system could do an analysis of what's been happening in your transactional systems. For example, um, it notices that you've created a ton of assets in this period uh, because it can look at the master data creation. So the system could warn the financial close team, oh, you know, you've had a ton of assets created in this period. Maybe your depreciation processes are going to take a little longer. So that's a way where the machine could provide some automated insights in advance to really help the team then not get into trouble later. 
So it's a combination of trusting the black box and being willing to listen to those early messages that we can learn from the transactional data bubbling up underneath and then taking that also into account when we plan our close. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting, Katerina. David, you are virtually sitting next to Katerina right now. We'd love to get your thoughts, agree or disagree. A lot to talk about. Go ahead, David. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it, I agree with the, uh, the statement. It goes along with the quote that I provided. Uh, and you can even invert the quote where a lot of times we, we ask the machine, like, what are you doing? Like, what is it? And we want to understand what it is that it, it's doing. And we, we don't trust it until we see it perform after a period of time and understand exactly you know, what's going on with it. And uh, I know that an evolving you know, thought you know, that we're having amongst my colleagues is this notion of an intelligent workflow where it is machine and humans working together. It's not just humans throwing things over the fence into a black box and letting the machine just run off and do its job, but it's interacting and giving proposals and asking for suggestions and, and giving uh, uh, humans approvals and to check the work and, and to validate that this is correct uh, to, to get that so that you, you get this collaboration going on between computer and, 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 and person. And so that's where we think things are going to move towards is what we call intelligent workflows, where it's you're asking the machine to do more intelligent work. We're pushing the machine to do. And I think this is where it scares us because it's, it's starting to really start to think and, and do things we haven't really pushed or asked it to do as of yet. And so, uh, uh, and that, that's, that's where we do have to have bold thinking and, and forward looking and saying, hey, look, this is no different than the trust, not trust cycles that we've gone with technology since, you know, I've been said, I did this for 25 years now, quarter, you know, century. And, and it's, it's always been this distrust of technology until it finally proves itself. And then, okay, everybody does it. So there's this, you know, this kind of like adoption curve and, and trust cycle that we have to go through. But, but I definitely think uh, with the pandemic and the constraint and resources and the burnout and all of this, this is something now that we've got to do. And we, we've got to, you know, we've got to be bold. I, I would agree. David, thank you. I want to say that we've talked for many years, not recently, but many years, that finance was a laggard in terms of adopting technology, right? And we still talk about almost mockingly, are you still using Excel? Are you still sitting in the basement with the eye shade, pushing numbers around the spreadsheet? But while Katarina was talking, and David, when you started, it dawned on me that your movie quote you selected is perfect, because we're talking about machine and people. I didn't say man and machine, machine and people. And the quote is, just what do you think you're doing, Dave? And so <laughs> if, 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 an AI, if an AI, if an algorithm, if a machine is looking at you trying to prove a transaction or matching two things on, on a ledger, and it's saying, well, what do you think you're doing, Dave? That would be absolutely a perfect place to fit that statement in. So thank you again for the quote, David. Mark, let's get you in on this. Agree or disagree with what Katarina said and or David's comments. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I definitely agree, but uh, I do have two points I want to make. So one is, uh, you know, it, it is very cyclical in nature. And, and you know, I, it, trusting the data is, is something, you know, 15, 20 years ago when we were doing you know, BIBW, you know, it, CFOs were saying, yeah, I don't, I don't understand this. It's all black box, right? So the concept of the black box has, has come full circle now. And, and here we are again with a different lever and, and still the same issue, right? Um, and, and it's, but really the, the, the second point is that we want to apply the, that technology and that AI and, and, and the system, the machine, if you will, um, in the right way, right? And so we need, you know, the process and or the data, you know, there's certain things that we can set up. We, we can, we can, you know, 
organized in a way that enables the the machine to to work effectively, right? Because if we apply that machine on top of anything that's already broken, um, you know, what is broken will just break, you know, much faster and much larger. So, um, yeah, it, it's you know, it, it, I agree. There's a stepping stone. There's a method by which you can you can evolve through this. Um, but you know, you have to start that journey. I do think that the boldness comments, you know, in, in embracing that challenge and embracing that, uh, you know that spectrum of, of the business and how, you know, machines and technology are going to, you know, evolve your process. Like you, you really should be having that conversation, you know, as soon as possible. It kind of goes back to my quote as well. It's like, you know, the, the, the organizations that are winning are the ones that are embracing that challenge and are finding new ways of working. Um, so yeah, I, I, I certainly agree. Thank you very much. Katarina, good conversation starter. Anything you want to say back to your colleagues on the panel? Go ahead. I think so. I think by um, doing what Mark just said and embracing that change, um, it's going to make the the finance team a more attractive place for everybody to work, right? People are going to be able to um, focus on, you know, providing insights to the business, coaching the business, and not just pushing numbers around. So I think that's mm-hmm. going to be great. And we talk about finance becoming the stewards of the business, don't we, Katarina? Not just the ones to say, oh, here's the report. It's on your desk. Take a look at it. It's we see, we have real-time insights. We're using technology. We can help you look forward and ahead based on what happened, but we've got some insights for the future looking. So thank you very much. David Dixon, you're up next. And I picked your statement number one, which I sent you in the chat. This is something I don't think we've touched on yet. That's why I appreciate all of the work you all did on sending very interesting topics. So David says, with globalization comes glocalization, the governance model that optimizes economies of scale at the global level without compromising the speed, agility, and specialization of localization. I'm going to stop there and let you finish it. David, talk to us. Take your three minutes of glory of fame, and then we will see what Mark and Katerina have to say. Go ahead, David. Yeah, so the, the concept of globalization is, uh, is is taking the word globalization and combining it with the word localization. And I think what we're finding is in these global rollouts, and when we try to move to a shared services model and start to bring and centralize uh, the close, for example, we, we start to say, hey, wait, we can't just bring the whole close, record the report into one site or, or, or COE to, to, to run it. There's going to be local close requirements for each country. And in a lot of the challenges that we have with global rollouts and, and, and finance transformations is trying to get the buy-in and, and, and all the different countries and cultures together uh, with each of their own set of requirements and their own special set of needs. And they need to operate in each of those markets and be nimble. And so sometimes if you put too much governance and try to say, oh, we got to centralize, central, and centralize, well, then it, it's like putting concrete boots on, on these uh, other businesses. Or if you just acquired somebody in a, in a local market, you don't want to disrupt what you just acquired. You want to let them operate. So you have to really find the right governance model and solutions have to be uh, that you apply to this. And, and the technology that we apply to this has to be sensitive to that. And, and it can't just be one size fits all. And, and on top of that, it, it's got to get down to the individual user. And, and we talked about you know the skills and the skill sets that are changing and what the finance uh, uh, professional is expecting you know, a better user experience and easier and more flexibility to do their job. Otherwise, they'll go back to the spreadsheet, right? Instead of moving towards a, a, an intelligent workflow. So, so really the notion of localization is that we can't just have a strategy of like just trying to move everything into one shared services and one model, uh, one size fits all. It has to be, and this is why it's so complicated. And that's why I think 
that we struggle with the clothes is because there are so many different constituencies and there's so many nuances with the clothes for, for each, you know, legal entity, country, region, and, and then it rolls up. And we have to be able to understand all of that. And if you're a large cor- corporation with a lot of different sites, this becomes impossible to do without um, technology. Thank you very much. Mark Six, you're sitting next to Mr. Dixon right now. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Dave. I, I, you know, it's a very interesting concept, and, and there's there's certainly a lot to unpack in, in how you uh, you know approach uh, the concept of globalization, and, and you know how do we actually enact it? Um, you know, ultimately, yeah, I agree. It, it, it's it comes down to process, and you know, each of them have different processes, but that's why they're local, right? They have their own requirements and, and statutory things. Um, but even more so, what can make companies successful as they you know try to tackle that um, is data, right? So I feel like if it you know, as, as with finance transformation and, you know, a lot of companies making a shift to, you know, a more modern ERP, there's, there's, there's really a push in the industry um, for a capital T transformation on, uh, you know, the technology that is, you know, that is meant to mirror and, and support their real world business processes. Um, and, and with that, a lot of folks do want to focus on, you know, headcount and, and you know, labor arbitrage and, and things like that. But I feel like, you know, that's jumping, you know, to the end, right? That's jumping to the, you know, the third or fourth bullet point but instead you should really you know try to look at the process and 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 then also look at the underlying data that can be you know used and i I kind of equate it to like the spine right because if the data is the spine that enables the other appendage processes to to branch out and operate right and and they can you know be flexible and and enable different ways of 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 motion or different processes for the organization right so the, the trick is to be able to identify you know the data that you can then you know capture and collect and that then certain organizations or certain you know uh, departments within your company can can use that data as they need, um, and then hopefully again standardize that for those different business functions. Um, so yeah, it, it's a very interesting concept, but it's it, it I think it I think the companies that are seeing this even more so are the ones that you know that didn't have the processes in place, and then of course the COVID and the pandemic hit, and you know we were thrust into that remote work, and those that those that were you know overcoming these challenges through brute force and through, you know, man hours and, and things. Um, those ones are the ones that really struggled the most. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very interesting concept. It'll, it'll help both locally, right. Um, you know, in your, your domestic team and also your, your, your shared service centers. Thank you, Katerina. Join us. What do you think? What David started about glocalization, centralization and Mark's added comments. Go ahead, Katerina. So this is certainly a topic um, that's been near and dear to my heart for for many, many years, right? I work with companies um, that have a different weekend than we do. Um, That's something that growing up in America, you know, everybody worked Monday through Friday. And then, (laughs) you know, there are countries in the world that don't work Monday through Friday. And so being able to, um, to meet those finance teams in the context that they uh, work and still have their contribution be properly reflected in the group's financial statements can be an extra challenge. And a lot of it has to do with visibility. Um, so Mark stressed the importance of the data in the process. Um, also having visibility on where the process is is really a challenge sometimes. Um, if you're spread around the world, it's really hard to know exactly where you stand. And a lot of companies still keep track of that in Excel, and that can be a real challenge. And something else that's that's important is not losing 
the institutional knowledge um, around the close um, in a very global organization. So enabling the local accounting teams to talk quickly to each other in the media where they're working. So things like thinking about workflow that would integrate with Slack or with Teams, really meeting the accountants where they're working, I think is, is going to be important to, to improving the close process. Thank you very much. David Dixon, this was yours. What do you think? Anything you want to say back? Yeah, no, I, 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 I think these were all really good perspectives. The only thing I guess I would, you know, add here is just simply the change management aspects of this where, you know, I, I've, you know, in, in teams and, and when you're in large scale organizations, um, the, uh, uh, there's just a lot of politics that you have to go through and, and with, with the language differences, time zone differences, uh, you know, business conventions and all of this. And especially if it was a newly acquired, you know, entity, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, it's, it's people policy and, and process as well as the technology that all has to come together. And, and that I think, you know, is just as important part of trying to speed up the close is building, you know, that trust across the globe, across all of these, you know, uh, uh, with the pandemic, it's, 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 I, I feel that, um, it, that's, that's, you know, all of this has to kind of come together to, to get a, a faster close. Um, but, but I've, yeah, I've been in situations where there was like full on revolt. There was a region just, nope, not going to do it. You know, leave us alone. Right. We got our own special, you know, requirements and tax, you know, laws and regulations and regulations. We're good. We're, we're too busy. Go away, you know, corporate, leave us alone. Um, so this is, yeah, the dynamic, you know, that I want. And then, and then there's always this wave of, we need to centralize. No, we need to decentralize. And I've seen companies say, okay, we're going to go on a centralization strategy only to reverse that a couple of years later and say, no, that doesn't work. We're going to go the other way. And it's just these, you know, these uh, cycles. And I think um, it's just, you know, the world that we live in now. People and process, policies, and philosophies, right, is who's right and who's wrong. And there is an experimentation, isn't there, David? Sometimes it's, well, let's do it this way for a couple of years. And then it's, no, 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 that's not working. And the question of looking back and seeing what worked and didn't versus looking ahead and what would be best. Very interesting points. Thank you so much for that great statement. We have time to squeeze in one more. Mark Six and I agreed quietly behind the scenes in the chat here that we're going to go with this statement number two. Let's keep this brief because we've got about nine minutes left. So, Mark, take about two and a half, three minutes, and then we'll get a quick comment from Katarina and David. Mark says, amid the great resignation, which is a big title these days people are talking about, process and technology are a strong contributing variable to whether employees are satisfied with their work and if they choose to stay. Closed teams and managers within the finance groups all often state that they've gotten extremely smart analytical minds focused on transactional activities. I'm going to stop there. A lot of words. Mark, unpack for me, please. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, it, it goes back to the, the point uh, Katarina made in her opening statement, right? And, and, and the satisfaction, and the impact that, you know, these, you know, these, these processes within organizations have on our teams. Um, and, and again, you know, in the world of finance, it's, it's certainly been a common thing, right? Uh, similar to the Monday through Friday work week. Um, historically, it's just been that, yeah, on, on, on the month end and on the quarter end, um, you know, we've got that 80 hour work week that week. Um, but ultimately, again, you know, 
know, the younger generations are coming in. They, they, they've grown up in, on technology. They understand how, you know, a connected world works. Um, and they understand the ability to, to use technology, uh, you know, intrinsically. And so for them to enter into an organization where, you know, that just doesn't occur. And, you know, like I said, we're operating in Excel or, you know, we're, we're manually correcting, you know, and we're dealing with version management and all these things. Um, you know, it's just, it's just not an ideal environment. And, and it really, uh, you know, what we see oftentimes is that, you know, it, it, it demoralizes the, uh, the employee base. Um, and again, that given the, the constraints with the resignation and, or excuse me, the great resignation and, and all of those things, um, it's something to consider. I think, I think that the CFO should certainly be aware of it. They should be on, they, they should really not uh, discount the impact uh, that these things do have on their, on their teams. Um, and they should, again, try to unlock the power of their people and by, you know, giving them tools and, and technology to, you know, to, to operate better um, and to, and to also provide them with more interesting problems to solve in their day-to-day work and make them, you know, feel more fulfilled and more engaged. Um, and as you said, you know, happy employees and, uh, you know, cust- you know, happy employees make happy customers. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's something to consider. It's a lot to consider, actually. It's very, very important. Let's go around the table. Katerina, thoughts about what Mark just shared. Go ahead. Total agreement. Um, I think there are a lot of interesting challenges that we can be addressing in the close that have nothing to do with transactional processing and going through the slog every month, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if we could take predictive accounting information and create you know, this is what your period end report is going to look like if we do these uh, sales expansion plans. Um, Simulated close, um, even simulated profitability analysis at the group level. There's a lot of, of interesting topics that talented finance teams could be addressing if they weren't bogged down in the transactional month end processes. Thank you very much. David Dixon, you get, I think we're almost at the last word. We got six minutes left. David, stretch it out. Take your time. And then we'll go back to Mark for for his comments. Go ahead, David. Yeah, if there is a uh, turnover tsunami is another term I've heard with the uh, great resignation, then we really do need to start to codify what we do and institutionalize, you know, the close so that if there are changes in in headcount, uh, we don't disrupt the operations. And so that's got to be a distinct strategy and, and in investing in automation and intelligence uh, as a platform and moving away from these spreadsheets. Because how many times have we looked at a spreadsheet that someone else created and look at it and say, ah, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what did you do? I mean, a lot of these closed checklists that are out there, you know, they're similar from from checklist to checklist, but there's so much contextual and other, you know, pieces of knowledge that's not necessarily captured within those. Uh, so I think we really have to start thinking about that uh, vis-a-vis people changing job roles. And then, of course, with, you know, uh, uh, you know, if, if, if people are taking retirement and, and the stock market, you know, has been doing, you know, uh, really well, right, you know, and you decided, hey, I'm going to, you know, uh, resign early, then, you know, with the, with, with the younger generation, you know, are they really going to want to spend all that time? And this is a complaint I hear some from organizations that they don't understand these legacy and aging systems. So they, and they don't want to spend time learning it. They just want the answer, right? They just want to. And so we have to make the, the experience, the user experience of using the, the technology much better so that it's more consumable and doesn't take so much time to ramp up those resources. 
And then in terms of like uh, uh, like the work life balance and, and not burning out and going into continuous and predictive close that Katarina talks about, I think that is the answer. So we don't have to wait at the very end when everything has to happen at month end, quarter end, year end. If we can start doing things proactively and just make it a continuous stream so it's not such a big event at the end of the uh, period, uh, I think uh, we should start looking at, you know, that that those practices of what can we do on a continuous basis and, and be ready so that's not uh, such a time crunch because, you know, if you've got a, you know, you've got a family emergency on your hand, right? You got kids home or, and then you, all of a sudden you got to close and something goes haywire at the very end. And it's a complicated issue. They unravel that. That's just, you know, it's a recipe for burnout. So, uh, so yeah, just to weave all those things in, I think that, 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 that's what I would add. Thank you very much. And I just want to level set here. The thing called the great resignation um, on Wikipedia, it's also called the big quit. It's an ongoing trend of employees voluntarily leaving their job from spring 2021 to the present in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The term great resignation, does anybody know who coined the term? Anybody here? Nope. It was coined by likely likely coined by Anthony Klotz, K-L-O-T-Z, a professor of management at the Mays, M-A-Y-S Business School of Texas A&M University. From December 2000 to the start of the COVID pandemic in 2020, the U.S. resignation rate never passed 2.4% of the total workforce. High quit rates indicate worker confidence and the ability to get higher paying jobs, which typically coincides with higher economic stability and abundance of people working low unemployment rates. And then this, they followed in the early pandemic, followed this pattern. And then in March and April of 2020, a record 13.0 and 9.3 million workers were laid off. And then we go from there. Workers now have paradoxically quit their jobs in large numbers. And they say in April alone of this year, 4 million workers said, bye-bye. And that's almost time for us to say bye-bye. So I want to thank Mark. You're our newcomer here. I hope this was good for you. We certainly appreciated all of the the work you put into your statements. David, always lovely to have you back. Katarina, a pleasure. So many words of wisdom coming from you. And again, a shout out to Birgit Starmans, who was the sponsor lead for the show, working with Katarina, of course. And we have Chris Grundy and Pras Chatterjee. And a shout out to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Star- started working with me three years ago. He was 26 and now he's 63 because I put him through his paces. And that's our that's our little in-joke. He reminded me he had a birthday, so he's 63 now. So thank you to Voice America, the business channel. We're happy to be here. Looking forward to another great year next year, but we have a couple more shows to do this year. So here's my call to action. And by the way, oh, well, I'll do it now. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is still getting two months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Mark Six. Mark, wave goodbye at Truqua and IBM Company. Katarina Record, SAP, wave goodbye. And David Dixon at Truqua, also an IBM Company. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Panelists, stick around. We'll talk for a second. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.